Alright folks, for the download button on a survivalist podcast. And as always, folks, you can catch all of our old episodes at uh, you know survive our website survivalinfo.org. Uh, or you can always go ahead and check us out on soundcloud.com uh, slash survival the survivalist podcast uh or any place really where we're fine podcasts are available uh so folks uh i said possibly we might do one more episode before the before the the, the christmas holiday or, or maybe even after it but either way i said we get a show out this week uh this one's actually well they're all pre-recorded i guess but uh this one's actually i'm actually recording this one a little bit early uh only because i got the time uh, to do it right now, so I figured, well, let me get this recorded, pulled out my little recorder here, and my microphone, and figured, let me get this recorded, you know, before the holiday season, uh, so this way I can, I, you know, compose it, because once the holidays really start, things get, uh, things get kind of crazy, and you know, my, my wife, uh, you know, those of you that have to work half a day with over on Christmas Eve, uh, you know, I, I want to point something out to, to just everybody, you know, a lot of people complain they got to work a half a day or a couple hours on Christmas Eve or whatever. But uh, my wife works, uh, you know, in the medical industry, and they're open. You know, that's a ministry, and they never shut down. You know, doctors, nurses, first responders, they all work, uh, you know, Christmas and Christmas Eve and all that. So, uh, you know, those kind of places don't shut down ever. So uh, those of you that have off on Christmas, I uh, feel very fortunate to have it because there are some professions where you pick and you're going to work work the holidays so uh you know those of you that have off on it you know feel feel glad feel grateful to have it off because not everybody actually does but uh, my wife this week my wife luckily has off christmas day uh but she's working a second shift uh christmas eve so we won't be doing much on christmas eve but uh you know at least we'll at least we'll be should be off on christmas day she actually had to work uh when uh one time she had to work christmas christmas day years ago she hasn't had to in a while but uh, you know, so feel fortunate if you don't have to work the holidays because there are some people uh, that actually are. So uh, some of these folks, uh, I always get a lot of messages, so I put it out in the front of every single podcast. Want to go ahead and support the show? Go to the website survivalinfo.org. Uh, you'll see the the Amazon affiliate. Just click on that and then do your shopping. Uh, it's, it'll cost you nothing extra, cost, cost us nothing extra. Uh, Amazon just gives us a little bit of, you know, whatever you buy, they'll give us a couple percentage of it for pushing you over to Amazon. Uh, again, at survivalinfo.org, just click on the little Amazon link before you do your shopping. Uh, also, too, folks, when you're on there, uh, you'll see we also have uh, a gear section there. Uh, that is actually all stuff that I have actually tried and tested, and I wrote reviews about it. And there are Amazon links in there. If you click on it and buy it through our site, we do get a little bit. Uh, like I said, there's no cost to you or anything like that. Uh, just help support the show, keep it free. And again, it's survivalinfo.org. That's how you can support the show, and uh, I really do appreciate it. Uh, you know, we're not making any money on this. I'm really not. Uh, I'm just would like to make enough to cover the hosting and uh, and stuff like that for the website, the podcast, all that. So. Uh, I really appreciate you guys uh, helping out with that. So other things, folks, going on. Like I said, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit coming out here before, uh, like I said, in between the holidays and all that kind of stuff, kind of give you guys something to listen to. I know uh, one of the things I said to my, my wife was I said, I want to give, I want to do a podcast and give these guys something to listen to because, you know, this time of year, everybody is always traveling this time of year. And it's where you have something to something to listen to or something to stick your, something to listen to when you're, 
there and you don't feel like listening to your relatives talk about their ailments or anything like that uh you can pop your earbuds in and and listen to listen to us a little bit so uh, i just wanted to drop a quick podcast on you uh so this way at least you had you know something to listen to and uh and i really enjoy doing this too so i'm happy to do it uh one thing i do want to say folks uh, i did get a tweet from somebody i I really try not to call out the tweets uh, as far as the person's name but somebody did tweet me and asked me about, about again you want to tweet me kb3yua my call sign talking about uh starting a podcast and uh one thing i will say folks um this particular person had said something he said he wanted to start a podcast uh, cause he want you know, he doesn't like his job and he wants to, and he, he wants to do something else. And, and I can tell you one thing, folks, you're not going to get rich on doing it. Uh, you do have a lot of people out there like Corolla, uh, you know, podcast one, uh, a lot of people out there do make money on it, but, um, you know, you as a person starting the show right off the bat, it's not something you're going to make money. I can't see, I mean, I can see you making some money on it. I can't see enough maybe to quit your job, but, uh, you know, if you're planning to start a podcast cause you want to quit your job, I, I don't think that's a good financial decision right off the bat. Um, you know, we've been doing this a while. We've got tons of episodes, and we're, we're still not even making enough money to cover uh, expenses yet. So, like I said, folks, uh, I'm not sure if that's a good financial decision for you, but if it's something you want to do, uh, you don't need much. Uh, I actually just using right now uh, an iMic rig I bought at Walmart that was on sale, and uh, I use my my, my little, little I, uh, my old... Uh, iPod Touch I have as a little recorder, and uh, there's an iRig app. You download it, and you can start podcasting right there. It's it's that easy. So, um, and then you know, you just, I you just, I use SoundCloud only because it integrates with everything. You don't have to, but that's what I use. There are bunches of other different ones you can get out there, uh, but I'm actually using uh, you know SoundCloud because it seems to work with everything. It, it works with Instagram, it works with Twitter, it works with everything. So, uh, it just makes it a little bit easier for me. I don't have a lot of time, so when things works easily. Uh, actually, it makes life a little easier for me. So, uh, but I mean, SoundCloud. SoundCloud's hosting is—it depends on what you get. Um, you know, it could run ten dollars, sixteen dollars a month. It really depends on, on what. If you look at the plans and all that, um, it's not a really tough thing to get started if you really want to do it. Uh, it's just a time to have to do it. Um, fortunate enough, I do a lot of traveling, so I've got a lot of time in the car to kill. So, uh, like I said, you know, just a hands-free mic and uh, an old iPod, an old iPod, and and you can kind of get on your way. So. Uh, may not sound the greatest, but at the beginning, uh, you're just trying to get yourself going. So, but uh, like I said, you know, it's it's one of those things. Like I said, if you want to do it, it's it's not hard. And if, if you have any questions on how to start a podcast or anything like that, uh, go ahead and send it to my my Twitter, and I can help you out. So, one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about, um, you know, we talked about holiday travel tips the last time, but um, uh, today I actually want to talk to you guys about about buying about buying a used vehicle and the reason why I want to talk to you guys about that is that that's something where you can really lose your shirt on uh, and you can really you can either sometimes get a good deal or sometimes you can really lose your shirt uh, prime example I'm actually looking at uh, looking to buy an old Ford Bronco right now um, that I really like I really like the old Ford Bronco and I'm looking at it right now I found it, saw it on the side of the road I pulled over to look at it I looked at it twice already <clears throat> excuse me I called the guy messaged the guy and uh you know we, we i've been looking at it and and really thing you want to think about when you're buying a used vehicle you want to ask how long they've owned it why they're getting rid of it unfortunately you have to kind of hope people are honest which i mean obviously that's a problem in this day and age but you know has it been in any accidents um you know any of that stuff you know did it pass inspection last year 
All the questions you need to ask. Uh, I actually got under it and looked in the weir wells, see if there's anything underneath the weir wells. Rust, uh, obviously on, a, on, a, on an old 95 truck, there's going to be some rust. But I got under there, see what the frame, you got to check to make sure the frame's not flimsy. Uh, you know, hit it with your hand or whatever, see if any rust falls off it. Uh, you know, see if it's cracking, if the frame's cracking or bending. Uh, you know, check the weir wells, see if there's any rubber around the, the behind the weir wells vehicle like that. If somebody's peeling out, somebody sees a lot of rubber. Um... You know, look through the wheel wells, see, look at the brakes, look at the callops, uh, you know, look at the oil, see if, you know, how long it's been, check the oil, look at all that stuff. Uh, check the interior, you know, you got to take, you got to look at the mileage. What you should do, folks, um, I always tell people, look at, look at the going Kelly Blue Book and, and pull up uh, what the vehicle's worth. A lot of people sometimes ask more than what it's worth. Um, you know, you want to try to pay, you don't want to pay more than what it's worth, and you definitely, if you can, try to, try to get a deal. Uh, this particular vehicle has about a hundred and some odd thousand miles on it, uh, so I'm trying to chew the guy down a little bit. Uh, sometimes if you go in there and just give people what they want, that's not always the best way to negotiate. What I like to do, I like to go, I like to try to try to negotiate a little bit, uh, negotiate the price. Now sometimes they can get a little more if they got the big tires on it, the big rims, uh, all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, special grill like this one has, they can ask a little more money because they've got a lot of the extras, not just factory, but. Uh, you want to see how much a vehicle's worth. Um, you know, sometimes people ask three, four, five thousand for something, and uh, you know it, it's only worth like two. So uh, you got to try to go ahead and, and really look, and and you got to really inspect the vehicle to see. Um, a couple people have said to me, "Well, you, you know, why don't you get a Carfax on it?" I probably will, but the only problem with Carfax is that only brings up if Carfax only really works if you put a claim into your insurance like if I have a head-on collision with somebody and and I don't want to put it I mean, I mean obviously head-on collision is a little bit ridiculous say I, say I had a tree okay um <clears throat> and, uh, and I don't want to put it into my insurance if I've got a couple grand sitting around I could put a couple grand into that vehicle and and have it fixed and then it won't show up on the car fax as long as I go to the body shop pay cash he fixes it and uh, and it won't show up on the car fax you know car fax only really shows up if the vehicle has been in an accident it's been reported uh, obviously or it's uh, you know been a claim against your insurance so that's the only issue with car fax the one thing car fax will tell you is how many owners it has because if it changes ownerships it actually has to say that so we'll tell you how many owners it had that's the nice thing about a car fax it's a little bit. It, I recommend. I usually try to do a Carfax for people if I'm trying to sell a vehicle privately. I don't do it that often, but I have uh, just because it kind of puts the persons that's buying it mind at ease that you're telling the truth a little bit. But I will say though, definitely, um, if you're going to, if you're going to be doing looking, you know, looking to a, looking to buy a vehicle, like I said, I like to do a Carfax on it, and. Uh, you know, at least it'll tell you if the first is all I'm the only owner and you do the Carfax, he has like five owners of the vehicle, you know something's going on and maybe that might not be the right vehicle for you. So, um, you know, also two folks, um, when you're going to be buying a used vehicle, obviously you want to make sure you go to a title place, have it titled properly. You don't want any issues down the road. Uh, if you're looking at it, get a chance. If the guy should let you look, if you're buying it used, uh, the guy, you know, he should have a title for it. If you're not paying a lot of money for it. Um, take a look at the title, look at the title, see if it's an R title, meaning it's been restored. Uh, sometimes, you know, if you don't pull a Carfax on it, you can see, if you don't want to pull a Carfax on it, at least take a look at the title and you can see how many owners it had, how many miles are on it. Uh, you want to be careful with the mileage, folks. Sometimes people really get pissy. Um, I hate to say, you hate to use a curse word, but 
Uh, people get really upset. You know, I've had times where I looked at the title and it says it's got 70,000 miles or 70, you know, the car says it's got 70,000 miles and the, you know, the title says it's got 170,000 because somebody changed the speedometer out. So, again, folks, all this very, very important uh, information for us all to, you know, for, for you to know about a used vehicle like that. Uh, check to make sure one's last time pass inspection. Ask the person, can it pass inspection? Um, if you know a buddy, if you have a buddy that's a mechanic, uh, you know, I'd have him come and, and, and look it over. That's always a good idea. Uh, I'm not going to spot everything, but at least it'll give you kind of an idea. Uh, like I said, always look it over. Uh, always test drive. Always look under the hood. Uh, all that stuff is very important behind the vehicle. Look at the rust. Look if there's any paint that's covering up rust. Uh, all that kind of stuff, you know, is uh, really, really important. Uh, I think anyway. So, uh, you know, really, um, you know, really do your homework with these things. Very, very, very important. Uh, any of this stuff you want to, you know, do your homework on to, you know, look at things. Like I said, spare the money, pay the 16, 20 bucks, do the Carfax on it. At least I'd give you a little idea. You know, spending 20 bucks is better than spend 2500 and get screwed on it. You know, there's, the main thing is to really to go under it, look under it, because especially, especially wherever you're, if you're if you're in Florida or, or in Pennsylvania where you have a lot of salt water or a lot of salt on the roads in the winter, that's where things really get rotted and all that. Also, too, if you ask to look at the title, see where the vehicle's been. Uh, sometimes you can actually see if a vehicle's been across country, why it come across country. Uh, you know why, you know, or if, if you see it's had a lot of owners, why? If you see it's, you know, the mileage doesn't look right. You know all that stuff. It, it, you really, you really got to really look over the vehicle, really, really well. And and sometimes you can get, you know, you don't want to get screwed on it. Uh, sometimes you know, now if you, that, this is something if you're gonna drive. Now if you're somebody who, who is just buying a vehicle to redo it because you want a little project and you know you're gonna be putting time and money into it, you know maybe that's unimportant to you. But some people, um, you know, some people who you know they need a reliable transportation. Uh, but some of you looking to buy something just to fix it up. Maybe that's not a concern for you. Uh, same thing goes with motorcycles, all that kind of stuff. You got to make sure you really double check, really, really look over the vehicle. Uh, check the tires. You want to make sure you look at the. Because remember, too, folks, you hate to have to buy a vehicle used and have to put a thousand dollars into buying four tires. Um, you know, look at the tires, see if they're worn. Because that that's the thing too. You could juice somebody down. You know, if somebody says you all, you know, I, I want five grand for this vehicle. And then you say, well, I need to put, it needs tires and these brakes. That's going to be, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars for me. You know, you got to come down a thousand dollars on the price. That's going to cost me money. You know, you want to try to negotiate a little bit, depending on if the vehicle has or needs anything. And, you know, you, you really want to try to, you know, really try to, you know, negotiate really, you know. Because you don't want to have to buy something. You know, a lot of people don't, aren't, aren't a hagglers. I like to haggle a little bit. Um, you know, I like to save myself money. I'm frugal by nature. So you want to haggle a little bit. You want to try to, you know, save, you know, save yourself money. You know, don't, don't spend five grand to put a thousand dollars in. Try, try to chew the guy down a little bit. So maybe go down 500 bucks even. Maybe go down 200. May, may, I mean, remember, you're buying the vehicle from him. Now, the only problem is it's a lot of people that want this vehicle. You may not get the best bargain because, you know, if a lot of people want it, supply and demand. But again, that's just something I want to bring up to you guys because, you know, it's really important that you try to get the best, you know, it's your money, and, and you're going to be paying the like, cash. And once you buy the vehicle and you exchange the cash, you can't get it back. I mean, yes, you can go back to go to small claims court and stuff like that. And so you got to, you know, but that's a, 
that's going to cost you a couple hundred dollars, and you're not always guaranteed to win. A lot of times, with those, I would like to point some out to you folks. When you take somebody to small claims court, I hate to say this, but I've been in small claims court a few times with because I own some rental property and some of that. Generally, if you're suing for a thousand, if you're suing for a thousand, and the other people have a pretty decent case, the judge will split it and give you half of it. I hate to say that, but that's the way the business works around here, in general. Generally, if they're suing you for two thousand and you got a good case, the judge will award them, you know, eight, nine hundred dollars, thousand. You know, it. Unfortunately, small claims court—they're trying to make everybody happy, and they never really do. There's never going to be a time where you go to small claims court and the judge. I mean, unless you have a tenant that's really, really back on rent. Um, generally, when you go to small claims court, I mean, if somebody's really behind on rent, that's a different story because generally they owe it to you, so they they'll side with you. But generally, you go to small claims court about something like a car. They're going to split the difference with you, possibly, if that. So, and you want to be careful when you sell a car, because there are people that pull those scams. They'll, they'll, they'll say, okay, well, you know, you know, it's, you know, three, three grand, and, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, a couple months, a month goes by, and all of a sudden you get a letter in the mail saying the person did something wrong with the car, and then you go back, and then they, they, they have a good case, and the judge award, you have to award that money back. And there are people that become, this is like a, this is like a business to them. Um, they're like professional, uh, you know, they're like professional, I don't say tenants, but they're professional uh, scam artists. So uh, I want to point that out to you because that's kind of something you should know and something you should be really important. Um, I'm driving and my car keeps binging at me uh, because I have a, a heavy bag over in the over in the passenger seat and it keeps binging at me um, because I think it thinks there's a person over in the other over in the other seat. So I think that's kind of funny, but. You know, very, very important. I don't want to point all this out. You're not trying to, you know, uh, and always make sure, you know, always make sure, you know, you go, like I said, I always go to a title and tag place, folks, uh, always, because I like to make sure the title gets transferred right. They can just sign the title over to you. I don't like doing that. I, I'd rather just get it titled right then and there with the person. We exchange, you know, I think they can sign the title over to you, but if I'm going to hand you that kind of money, I want to go to the title, because I want the title in my damn name before I, <laughs> before I leave. I want that title in my name if I'm giving you a couple grand. So, uh, you know, that's just me. That's just the way I am. You know, uh, it, it, you know, it, <laughs> you know, it, 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 fortunately in the world we live in today, you got to really watch out for this kind of stuff. Cause there's a lot of scam artists out there and you know, there's, there's a, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of people out there that are out to screw you. I hate to say it. And, and unfortunately you see more with, with more and more nowadays with this Craigslist and Facebook Well, you can get great deals on stuff. And, and I'm always for a deal. Like I said, I'm frugal by nature, but you know, it's, you got to really be careful because not sometimes if a deal is too good to be true, sometimes it, tr it truly is. So I uh, really want to really want to point that out to you. So, uh, you know, it, it, you got to be careful. You got to use a little common sense. You got to lose those street smarts. I know not everybody has those things. And it's not a bad thing, but I'm not putting anybody down. Some people just don't have a lot of street smarts. Some people are very trusting people. Uh, some people are just... You know they're they're very they, they don't have a lot of common sense they it, it's not and it's not a bad thing folks some people I, hey I wish I could be one of those people that would trust everybody you know I I love those kind of guys and I met those kind of guys and uh, especially up where I live here in the mountains you got guys all the time they'll say you know I'll take a you know the other day I just got a little whip from a guy and a guy goes oh you look like a trustworthy guy you know don't worry about it. come back and give me the money when you got it you know and and those, those are people that, I love those people because let me tell you something they are a dying breed and they are such honest good-hearted people and you don't find that anymore in this world and it's unfortunate that those people a lot of times get screwed and that's a shame because those are the great people of this world 
And unfortunately, you know, you come by less and less of them. And, you know, and it's unfortunate because you're coming by less and less of them because they're more and more of them getting screwed. And those are those are the great people of this world. Those are the people that you need to, you know, when you see them, you need to take care of them because they're honest, truthful, hardworking people. And there's not enough of them in this world, which is part of the part of the problem that we have in this world right now. So, um, you know, it, it's. It's one of those things when you when you when you when you're when you're doing any type of, of private business like this, you, you really got to watch yourself and and know it's you know and, and a big purchase like this it could be all the money you have in your savings, that could be all the money you 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 know that could be all the money you have in your savings that could have been, you know all the money you have in your, you know in your bank account that could be, you know a, some money you've saved that could, you, 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 remember one thing folks when you're buying anything. That is your hard-earned money. If you make ten dollars an hour and you're paying a hundred bucks for something, that means you work ten hours to give that hundred. Or probably more than that because of taxes. You know, you worked eleven, twelve hours to give that hundred bucks to that for that particular service. So that's I want you guys to all realize that. Okay, remember one thing. Money is is like they say this old saying: "Easy come, easy go." It's not. It's not easy come. It's hard. It's hard come, easy go. That's what that. That's what that saying should be. Okay. And, and always realize, you know, if, if whatever you're buying, you know, if you make thirty-five thousand a year, and you're buying a car for thirty-five thousand, you have pretty much committed to over five to seven years giving a year of your salary for that vehicle. So I like to point that out, and and a lot of people don't think about that. They just th- they don't think about what you know, you know. Prime example is what we the the, the crisis that we've gotten into. Uh, with with these with these homes and these mortgages and stuff like that, I don't get a little off topic, but uh, you know what that was was people buying stuff and not really thinking about where the money's going to come from. Just okay, we got it, we want this house, we got it, and then you know we can afford it until the first time the water heater goes, or the first time we got to pay a heat bill. The heat bill, not I believe it or not, folks uh, in America here, like like I think they said seventy percent of of foreclosed homes are electric heat. I want to point that out to you. And it's like, okay, well, guess what? We, we, we can afford this house until we got a big heat bill. You know, we can afford this house until we have the first repair. We can afford this house until, you know. And and maybe, you know, if, if more people would think about where money comes from before they purchase something, uh, you, you know, maybe things would be, you know, maybe a little, you know, a little bit, you know, maybe you know, people wouldn't be in the mess they're in. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I got some credit card debt. I think everybody does in this crazy world, but you know, the key is paying, not just paying minimum payments, paying more than what it, what's will get it paid off. So you don't have that extra bill. Um, you know, I mean, it's, you know, th- that, that's part of the problem, man. especially you get, you know, I, I, my, my wife and I, we have friends of ours that they, they love living in the city. They don't want to live out here in the mountains where it's a little bit cheaper to live. And they, they like the city life. And, and the other day, my wife said, you know, she said, you know, she was telling my wife, that, oh, yeah, we, we, have, we have to buy groceries on our credit card. We can't afford it. Well, that, that, that's a real big problem. Then then you're living really behind your beyond your means. If you're buying if you're buying groceries with your credit card, that's a really big issue because, I mean, that stuff should come out of your daily budget. I mean, not, you know. And, you know, then you have the other side of this, too, where you have people that that never really get out on their own, never really buy anything on their own. They're they're going to live in their parents' house as long as they possibly can, save as much money as they possibly can. And then all of a sudden, you know, those are the people that are 40 years old are saying, "Hey, you know, you know, we, we, we bought our house for cash, you know, and we don't have anything and we're retired at 40, 50." So yeah, you retired at 40, 50 years old, but you mooched 
off of off of other people for for 20 years and there are people out there folks that are professional moochers i hate to i hate to say that folks there are people that are professional moochers um I had a buddy of mine one time. He invited somebody to come live with him for a few days because he got kicked out. He was there for two and a half years. He actually had to evict him out of his own home. Think about that. He had to. He invited a friend to live with him and had to evict him out. That's how. I mean, so. And there's nothing wrong with trying to live with somebody to save money, especially in the early days. But you know, if you want to build yourself a homestead and you want to be self-sufficient, being self-sufficient means financially being self-sufficient too. So. Uh, I like to point that out. If, you're, if your self-sufficiency plan is just to live with your parents forever, um, you know, think about this. You know, if your mother's paying all the bills and something happens to her, how are you going to pay those bills? I've seen that a couple times too, folks. Uh, friends of mine that, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't think financially where money was coming from. And they said, well, I'm living with my parents. I can afford it. And then all of a sudden the mother dies. They're not getting their Social Security check anymore. And all of a sudden, oh, crap, where's this extra $1,000 a month that supports this house going to come from? Um, you know, so that, and I've seen people actually lose homes because of that too. Uh, it's not always people bought homes and lose. Some people inherited homes. They, they couldn't afford it. Some people couldn't afford the inheritance tax. Um, you know, all that kind of, so th there's a lot of reasons why, why financial problems happen. And unfortunately being prepared, being a prepper means you got to be prepared and try to <laughs> think of the, I hate to say it, but you have to think of these worst case scenarios. Not just, it's not just, oh crap, you know, um, the world's coming to an end. Sometimes it's. You know, just your own disaster of money, and uh, I see a lot of that. Especially, I see a lot of people that get into money issues because they're just not thinking worst case scenario. They think their situation is never going to change, and then when it does, they're in they're in trouble. And, and it could be a minor thing too. Um, you know, my wife's girlfriend's a single mom. She works hard, works two jobs, try to keep a roof over the over the head of, of her kids, and um, you know, the father's a deadbeat, and you know, she uh. You know she, you know she had, uh, you know her, her landlord, her the building she was living in got bought by somebody else, which I never knock anybody for for buying investments, and uh, you know new landlord, her rent went up two hundred fifty dollars, and she had to think of what am I gonna do? She, you know she was barely making it as she was. Uh, she ended up having to, you know, tell the landlord she couldn't afford it, and that she was eventually gonna have to move. She was looking for a place. She had to wait till she got her tax return to move. Uh, and and I hate to say it, but that in its own world, when you got kids. And that's where you live, the roof over your head. That's a, that's a mini disaster, okay? Now, granted, it's not on, like, you know, you know, shit hits the fan. But in her world, that's a mini disaster. You know, look at all, you know, and, and, and those are financial disasters that, unfortunately, doesn't affect everybody, but it affects you. And sometimes you got to try to fend them off. And there's some circumstances you can't. You can't stop somebody from selling the apartment building you live in, okay? You can't. The only thing you can do is try to get your own place where you can get a fixed mortgage and control what you're paying every month. Now, unfortunately, some people don't have credit. Some people don't have the don't have financial means to do that. They don't have the down payment. They don't. Okay, so in this case, you have to try to plan for what happens if my rent goes up. And and sometimes it, it's a tough thing. Sometimes you you can't because you can't control that your rent goes up. You can't control that the landlord sold the building. So you have to can try your best to try to control what happens, and sometimes it, it's not easy. So, uh, and these are fortunately things you have to think about. Um, you know, when you're when you're when you're prepping, it's not always just end of the world gas masks and and weapons. It's sometimes little disasters. Like prime example, like I had a friend of mine the other day. 
She had her own little disaster, and she was like panic-stricken over. She didn't know what to do. She called me, and she had no, you know, her computer crashed. No backups, and she needed the stuff off the data. Now, it's going to cost her a fortune to get that stuff back off the hard drive, where we could have done something very, very easily and just had a system, you know, backup system, and just, you know, backed her stuff up, you know, using something like Backblaze or something like that. That was That's a prime example of not being prepared. And she didn't do anything wrong. She's a nice girl and all that. And, and she's, she just didn't think about that. She never thought about what the consequences. And, you know, unfortunately, stuff like that happens sometimes. So uh, it's a shame. But, again, that, and again, that's not a big end-of-the-world disaster. But to her, her, her finances are on there for her business and all that. That is a little mini disaster. And if she would have been just a little more prepared, uh, you know, now she's coming to the end of the year and she doesn't have, she needs that data and she's going to have to pay probably a thousand bucks to get that data back, if not le- if not more, if not less. But that's a disaster where $7 a month, um, I, should, I should actually get a sponsor for the show for backup stuff for software. <laughs> um, but she could have done like Backblaze for $7 or File Hip, uh, I think it's uh, Jungle Hippo or something. One of those, Backblaze, you have so many of them, Carbonite, there's a million backup solutions nowadays, but... You know, that's a prime example of, crap, I messed up. So I just wanted to point all that out to you guys because it, it's really important that we, you know, we, we, we kind of, I don't want to say get over these things, but just something for you to think about when you talk about disaster recovery. Not sometimes, sometimes the disaster is always a big thing. Sometimes it's just a personal thing, but it's a disaster. So, and like I said, especially when you're buying a vehicle, that could actually be a disaster. And you got to think of try to try to do your best to try to avoid that disaster. Try to sometimes get ahead of it, and and sometimes maybe if if, if you have doubts, maybe you shouldn't buy that vehicle. Maybe you should move on. Some people say, "Well, I love that vehicle." Well, yeah, but is it worth is it worth it? Is it worth spending all that extra money? Do you have to have that particular vehicle? You know what I'm trying to say, folks. You you got to try to. You know, and like I said many times, if something looks too good to be true, it truly is. And and sometimes you have to think about stuff like, you know, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe, maybe I, I should have bought the different vehicle. Maybe I, you know, I should have put all that money into it. You know, is it worth the money? You know, um, prime example. Sometimes you get people that buy stuff, and you know, it's. You know, it needs a new transmission or it needs a new this. You know, that that is going to financially put you in a hole. And since the vehicle is not under warranty, you're going to have to come up with $900,000 for a transmission to get it fixed, repaired, or a new one's going to be a couple grand. You know, and, you know, and you've only spent $500 on the car. So it's, you know, again, buying a used vehicle can be a disaster. It could be. Sometimes there are good deals out there, too. But it can be a big disaster. And it, it's something you really got to try to fend off and try to do your absolute best, uh, you know, you know, due diligence on because, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of money and you don't want to risk something happening. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've had, I've gotten burned a few times on some used vehicles. Um, if you are, you know, you, you know, folks, sometimes folks, I will say this. Sometimes you're better off going, not maybe not even buying some, a used vehicle privately, but sometimes you're, you're better off buying a used vehicle from a car dealership. And the reason is, generally, those cars are looked over, and they're and they're, there's you can get a guarantee with them. Uh, even if it's only sixty or ninety days, you can get some kind of guarantee with them. Where if you buy a used vehicle privately, um, and, and I, maybe I'm trying to buy a used vehicle privately right now, so and and I know that there could be that does, you know. But my point is though, if if you are somebody who says, okay, I only have a couple thousand, I can't afford to have any problems with this vehicle, 
you may not want to buy it from Joey the used car guy or you know Dave you know the Dave's used cars or maybe just Joe Schmo you found on Craigslist you know you may want to you know possibly go to an accredited car dealership um, you know and, and see what they have for cheap on the used lot you know something that's a thousand two thousand something like that because uh, they're going to look over the vehicle and they're going to, you know, they're going to sell the vehicle. You know, remember when the car dealership has a reputation to maintain, uh, Joe Schmo uh, off the street may not. So, you know, if you only have, if you know, if you're in this situation like this, you may want to say to yourself, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, maybe I'll go to, you know, uh, you know, ABC Ford. Uh, that sells brand new Fords to see what they have used in a lot for a couple thousand. That might be a better plan for you. That might be a way for you maybe to get that used vehicle and and get something that's. I've done that. I've done that a couple times. Almost all my vehicles. I usually go to a an accredited Dodge or accredited Ford dealership and I buy the used vehicle right from them. Now I have bought a couple vehicles privately, but that might be something you might want to do too. And that I, that might be your safer bet. And you can ask them. Can I have? I'm a little uncomfortable. Can I have a 30 or 60 day? warranty on it you may be able to buy a warranty on the vehicle stuff like that and they can bundle it in um you know there's a lot just those kind of things are that might be your safest option that might be the safe option for you um in general so um that's another option as well so uh, i think we're gonna wrap it up i want to wish everybody happy holiday and we'll see you in the next episode thank you very much